goodness today. Let's stand together. Have you come to bless the Lord? Lord, we lift you in this place. We magnify you. We glorify you, Lord. Thank you for your blessings on us. Our hands together. Let's sing to him. Give thanks to the Lord, our God and King. His love endures forever. For it is good, he is above all.
Give him honor. He is worthy. We bless you, Lord. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. We lift you, Lord Jesus. We give him praise. Church. He is worthy today. We magnify you. We glorify you. There is not like you, oh God. And we lift you up in this place this morning, oh God. Have your way, I pray, oh Lord Jesus. Touch hearts and lives, Lord Jesus. Hallelujah. 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 Let's worship Because of who you are, I give you glory. Because of who Because of who you are. 
Independence has never been easy. Nearly 250 years ago, it was something worth fighting for. The idea of a people who stood on equal footing, free to speak, free to wander, free to live. These were ideals worth risking everything for. Today, we find ourselves fighting old battles, not with past foes, but with ourselves. We are a nation divided, divided by skin, divided by opinion, divided by hate. It seems the very freedoms we once fought for have become stumbling blocks. Are we too busy seeking ourselves to even recognize the tragedy which surrounds us? Do we no longer see the profound need for the hand of God? In this moment, the truth of Scripture rings especially true. If we, the people, will humbly pray, turn from wickedness, and seek His face, then He will hear us, He will forgive us, and He will heal this land. Today, may we remember this one simple truth. True independence is found only in our dependence on God. God's good today. Can we give Jesus a hand clap of praise? Amen. Is Grant still in here or did he take a break? 
Oh, there goes Grant. He's hid back yonder. Today I want to celebrate because we've got a guy with us that has actually been gone for, oh, I just talked to him, I guess 18 months or so. And so if you've been praying for Grant, thank you. I want you to give him a hand clap today. Let him know he's not forgotten. We love you, Grant. If you have served, I know of course we have Grant today, if you have served, I want you to stand at this time please, because we want to honor you today as well. Alright, go ahead and be sent, go ahead and stand, we've got several here, several back here, amen. We honor you men today, God bless you, thank you for your service. Uh, today is a special day because today is July 4th, it's very seldom that it happens to fall on a Sunday, but it did, and so today I am going full-fledged July 4th. And I want to speak on a sermon entitled, Blessed is the Nation. Blessed is the Nation. Uh, Psalm chapter 33, verse 12 is going to be your text this morning. Not going to try to hold you too long. I know that some of you are so ready to eat right now. If you're like me, you skip breakfast. Do I have anybody like that? No, y'all all ate breakfast. All right, well, y'all are good then. I want to look this morning at Psalm 33. This is an endless truth that comes all the way from David in the Old Testament. And I want to bring it to our recollection this morning. I'm sure you've read it before. You've heard it quoted. Uh, how, how many of you today love America? I mean, you love America. Do you love it? I love America. I'm telling you, I love it today. And I'm thankful to those that have served us. And even in our prayers for this great nation, we should not only remember our leadership you know, I hear people all the time make comments like, well, he's not my president. Uh, you need to get over that mentality because that's wrong. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. It just is. I'm telling you, it's wrong. God told us to pray for our leaders. It doesn't matter who they are, whether you agree with them, whether they're Democrat, Republic. God has called us to pray for those that he has allowed. And I'm going to show you through our scriptures today and through my sermon of God's sovereignty and the things that go on in our world today, they're not coincidence, folks. God is at work in the world. He is at work. And everything that is happening around us, there is nothing, please hear me, that catches God by surprise. God is aware of everything going on. As a matter of fact, He has His hand in it. And so we need to understand that God has called us to pray for not only those that are serving our country, but for those that are leading our country. I was thinking today that July 4th to some people means different things. I was watching a video a while back where this girl was going around and she was asking, especially millennials, as, as if what you know, July 4th means or what it represents. And it was amazing and actually confounding to me that many in our nation don't even know what July 4th is. They don't even understand it's a day of independence. When you ask them, they look at you with a dumb look and they don't know something about, you know, something in our nation that they really don't know. And I was thinking to some people, when they think of July 4th, they, they're thinking about drinking. They're thinking about partying tonight. That's what a lot of people are going to do. They're thinking about fireworks. They're thinking about all of these ways that they're going to celebrate. They're thinking about, I don't have to go to work on Monday with no idea what the day even represents. But I'm going to help you understand that today. And I want you to understand that God is in the very fabric of this wonderful nation we call the United States of America. Blessed is the nation whose God is the Lord, the people He chose for His inheritance. Grab those first four words. Blessed is the nation. One of the great presidents by the name of Abraham Lincoln once referred to America as being the last 
and the best hope of our earth. Why would Abraham Lincoln make such a statement as if this was the hope of the world, America? He understood that America was forged out of the furnace of faith in God. He understood that it was God that had made us such a great nation. You know, several years ago under some administration, there was a lot of emphasis on the Islamic faith. And I remember reading an article several years back that said, Is America a Christian nation anymore? Or is it a Muslim or Islamic country? And there was a lot of emphasis on, on the Islamic faith and things such as this. But can I tell somebody today that the truth is still the truth? That we are still a Christian nation. Does everybody understand that America is still considered a Christian nation? A matter of fact, whether we like it or not, whether we're liberal, whether we're progressive, whether we're conservative, it doesn't matter. We would all have to agree with the fact that America's roots are spiritual. You cannot go into history. And that's why cancel culture drives me insane because there are those that would like to take the very fabric that we were woven out of and they would love to start pulling those threads and see there's something about the thread that you have to understand because every now and then I had a suit one time and on that suit there was a thread and I began to pull that thread and as I began to pull that thread guess what I figured out that if you start unraveling it the whole thing's going to come apart and so now I'm smart enough that I just kind of cut it and I don't pull at it But I'm telling you what's happening in America today is we are pulling at a thread that we ought not be pulling at. And that is called our history. And when you start pulling at that, everything else begins to unravel itself naturally. And so we must understand that at our very roots, the spirituality and the Christianity of our faith is in the very root system of what we call America. You can look at the Liberty Bell. It has the words of a book that we just studied together called Leviticus. It is in chapter 25 and verse 10. For on the Liberty Bell it says, Proclaim liberty throughout all the land and unto all the inhabitants thereof. There's a guy by the name of Christopher Columbus. Some of you students in here, you may remember his name. He set sail for the Indies. He said that, that God, God, not Allah, but God Almighty was guiding his steps. He even told them that he felt inspired by the Holy Spirit. That the light of Christ was going to shine on him and on those that made the journey with him. And you'll see that when the pilgrims came to America on that ship called the Mayflower... They sought one thing. They wanted to establish a land for the glory of God. And the main sole purpose of it was this. That they could have the freedom of worship without interference from the church of England. They wanted the right to worship their sovereign God the way that they wanted to without anybody bothering them when they did it. The Mayflower Compact was made and and it was developed by the pilgrims on the Mayflower who came to the Plymouth rock colony in the winter of 1620 it clearly says that the purpose for establishing this colony and I quote it to you was for the glory of God and the advancement of the Christian faith and honor of our king and of our country it is July 4th 1776 the declaration of independence who is authored by a Christian man by the name of Thomas Jefferson it was adopted by the second continental congress who consisted of 56 delegates. And above all, this is what it underscores, the foundation of faith and our fabric I'm speaking of. And he said, we hold these truths to be self-evident, 
that all men are created equal, that they are endowed by their Creator with certain unalienable rights, that among these are life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. He went on to say, and for the support of this declaration, with the firm reliance on the protection of divine providence, do you hear God in, even in this? We mutually pledge to each other our lives, our fortunes, and our sacred honor. It was Daniel Webster that wrote the dictionary that we use so often. Whatever makes men good Christians, it makes them good citizens. To Jack Auguste Thou, he wrote these words and he said, After what I owe to God, nothing should be more dear or more sacred to me than the love and respect that I owe my country. The question that we have to deal with today is this. Will America... Continue to be a Christian nation. That is the struggle that we are dealing with. And that is the conflict that hear me and hear me well from this pulpit today. This is exactly what the enemy of our soul is working towards right now for this nation. He is working to make us a godless society. Because he knows that if you have a godless society... That all of hell will rule and reign and the devil, it will become his empire of wickedness and a kingdom of darkness. And all of a sudden the very thread and fabric is pulled out and everything's falling apart. And he knows that. The question is, will we keep our faith or will we go the path of many other empires before us that have chosen to go away from God? Will we become that communist nation? We must ask as a church, what is our role in the revitalization of America? We must ask, what is our place? What are we supposed to do? Well, I want you to understand that the psalmist gives us something that's of special significance even for the year 2021. He lays down a timeless truth, not just for the United States of America, but for every nation. When he says, blessed is the nation whose God is the Lord. Now, for time's sake, I can't do it today, but we could literally, I could give you scripture after scripture that would show you where God uses the word nations throughout all the Bible, Old Testament, New Testament. And it shows us that God is concerned about the nations today. There's nothing going on that God isn't concerned about. Look at Isaiah. I'll give you a couple of them. Isaiah chapter 2, verse 2. In the last days, the mountain of the Lord's temple will be established. Watch this. As the highest of the mountains. It will be exalted above the hills. This is the part I want you to grab. And all nations are going to stream to it. Can I tell somebody today. That there is coming a day. When people are going to flood the church for help. I'm glad I got two people that agreed with that. There is coming a day. When people are going to understand. That the way the world's going isn't working. The mentality of this cancel culture is not working. There is going to come a day. Now in my backyard, I have a stream. And that little creek or stream, do you know what it does 24-7? There is never a day that I have looked out there and my water's not flowing. 
And what God is saying, He's saying there's coming a day that my mountain's going to be established. The Lord's temple is going to be so established in the earth again that people are literally going to stream to this. It could even be prophetic that in the last days when the Lord's temple is reconstructed in Jerusalem that people of all the earth are going to come to the temple. They are going to stream in. There is coming a day when people are going to go back to Israel to their homeland and they're going to go so that they can worship God. God, chapter 56 and verse 7. Let me read this one to you and I'll move on. He says, a house of prayer is what's going to happen here. What's the temple of God? It's going to become a house of prayer for how many nations? For all the nations. So so let me ask you today, what do we need to do for America? I'm going to give you three points. Number one, we must celebrate God's goodness to the nation today. We have a national day that is called Thanksgiving. Does anybody remember Thanksgiving? Does anybody know that most of you overeat on Thanksgiving? That's why you remember it so well. But Thanksgiving is about so much more than just the food that we eat. The first days in Newfoundland, 1578, by an English minister by the name of Wolfall. It goes on another celebrate in 1607 at what we're talking about at Plymouth Rock Colony in 1621 with the pilgrims and at least 90 Indians. White men and Indians didn't get along. But they came together not for one day, not for two days, but for three days. They celebrated together Thanksgiving. It's on November 26, 1789 that George Washington, your first president in United History, proclaimed the first national day. And he said, whereas it is the duty of all nations to acknowledge the providence of Almighty God, to obey His will, to be grateful for His benefits, and humbly implore His protection and His favor. A lady by the name of Sarah J. Hale decided that she would send a letter one day to a man by the name of Abraham Lincoln. And she would implore him, beg him, would he please, reinstate this day he needed to follow suit or in the steps of the great George Washington to which on July 15, 1863 after the battle of Gettysburg he did this he said there's a national day of thanksgiving Congress would ratify it in 1941 ever since that day every president has declared a national day of thanksgiving now please understand the first intention for thanksgiving celebration was our obligation to be thankful to God for His providence to the nation. That's what it was about. So it is about the providence of God. God has provided for the United States of America and therefore we celebrate this day together. That is what Thanksgiving was about. We see the goodness of God at work. A matter of fact, good and upright is the Lord. In, in Psalm 145, the Lord is good to all. His compassion on all of us. He is made. Nahum 1.7, the Lord is good. He's a refuge in the times of trouble. He cares for those who trust in Him. And then we could read on at Nahum chapter 1 and verse 7 when He said the Lord is good. James 1.17, every good and perfect gift is from above. I believe that there is something that I need to say today and that is that we never forget who we are because we are who we are because of the goodness of 
God. I want somebody to hear me. Today you would not be where you are if it wasn't for the grace of God. The Apostle Paul said, I am who I am, not because of what I've done, but because of the grace or the goodness of God. Listen, I want to tell America today, we are who we are, not because of who our presidents are or who they've been. We are who we are because of the fabric I'm talking about, because of the providence of this great God. Somebody in this house today ought to give God glory and celebrate thanksgiving to this wonderful Lord that has made us so great. And secondly, we must affirm God's sovereignty over the nation. Now watch this. The word affirm means to state as a fact. A fact. A truth. To assert strongly and publicly. That God is sovereign over the nation. Does anybody know what the word assertive is? We went and looked at a house one time during for night. We were thinking about buying. This has been several years ago. And we went to that house and we figured out that the neighbor was just too assertive for us. That's kind of a, <laughs> to give you a definition there. And so when they're in your face too much, they're just too strongly opinionated and telling you things. And, and, but God says, what we have to do is we've got to affirm that He is sovereign over our nation. That means we must be assertive at times. Because the day and age that we live in, those that are radical are assertive. Am I not right? So God calls us to be assertive in the fact that God is still sovereign. Now, sovereign means that God is in complete control, right? Alright? So, here are three significant things I want to show you. And I'm not going to read them because of time. But if you read in our text, verse 12 through 15, you would find in verse 12 that God chose us as His inheritance. Now, what is an inheritance? An inheritance is what you get after somebody dies. Right? So, somebody dies, you inherit what they left to you. But see, Jesus did the bipolar opposite. For in my text, He told us that we are the Lord's inheritance. So, Jesus actually died to inherit us. Oh my God, have mercy. So, so, so the next time that the devil tries to tell you you're not worth two cents, the next time that someone in your family tries to tell you you'll never amount to nothing, you just remind them of what Jesus Christ did for you. You are precious. In the eyes of God, you're more precious than gold and silver. Just mere money, that's nothing. In the eyes of God, He died so that He could inherit you. Verse 14, God looks down on us from heaven and watches over us from His dwelling place or from His throne. What a thought that God still has His eyes on us. What a thought that on America right now, from His high and lofty sovereign throne, God is looking down on this great nation right now. Right now. But then He goes on to tell us, He says He forms the hearts and considers everything we do in Psalm 33, 15. Now, now that makes us want to live better, doesn't it? <laughs> Thinking about God, He sees everything, He's watching me. You know, the colonists that came over, they declared as they rebelled against the tyranny of England... They said these words. They said, no king, but King Jesus. Ooh, I love it, don't you? No king, but King Jesus. 
See, what the Church of England had tried to do, they had developed their own church. That's, that's why the pilgrims left to begin with. Because they would not allow them to worship God the way that they felt they needed to worship God. They felt that the Church of England was corrupt. King James was his name. You remember your King James Version Bible? The guy was a homosexual. He was the king at the time. And they created their own. And they said, this is corrupt. We're not going to have anything to do with it. And they wanted to get away and have freedom of religion. And that is why they set sail. And I'm telling you, all of this is kind of prophetic because there's coming a day. And you know it and I know it. And I don't have time to go into this. But we're living in a world that sooner or later, sooner or later, we're going to go back to that one world government. Come on somebody. One world money. We're going to come back to a one world currency. We're going to a place of a one world universal what? Church. Now, we're not there yet, but prophetically, we can see where these things may just come into play and come to fruition as we come closer to the day of the Lord. That is the moment when the pilgrim said, enough is enough. You are not giving us the freedom of worship. And so when you get this one world uh, church in the place... It's going to happen again. And there's going to be a group of people that are going to say, you aren't going to tell us that we got to worship the president. You're not going to tell us that we've got to worship the Pope. You're not telling us we're going to worship a guy named the Antichrist. We're going to break off from this mess and we're going to worship the sovereign God. That is exactly what happens in this story. And they declare no king but King Jesus. Whenever you read our Constitution, you don't find the word sovereignty. You don't find the word sovereign. Because they recognize that only one was sovereign. And that was God. Hallelujah. Out of all the framers of the Constitution, there are not, there's 20 of them that were showing up. 19 of those people declared that they were Christians born again by Jesus Christ. Not, or, or, I'm sorry, 19 were Episcopals. Eight were Congregationalists. Seven were Presbyterians, two were Roman Catholics, two were Quakers, one was Methodist, and one was Dutch Reformed. Now watch this. The other guy that did not claim to be a Christian was known as a deist. A deist believed that God existed. They just believed that God was separate from them. In other words, God would just leave man to his own devices. But note that he was not an atheist. There was not one framer of the Constitution out of those 50 people that we just talked about. There was not one of them, not one of them, that was an atheist. They all believed in God. See, deism believes in God as a creator, but they teach that God is separate from the universe and allows man to administer the world through his own natural laws. The positive about them is that they stress the importance of ethical conduct. Just doing right, treating people right, and with respect. When you look at our First Amendment in the United States of America, do you understand that the First Amendment was not for the church, uh, for the for Washington to be protected from the church, but it was the bipolar opposite. The First Amendment was so that the church could be protected from the state. And so when you look at the First Amendment, it is specifically designed to prohibit, to prohibit the intrusion of the state into the affairs of the church. It's the same case as it was when the church in England did this, when the pilgrims left. Can I say to someone... And thus, when they came here, they created 
a new way. And they did not have one person per se that was going to say, this is the way we're going to worship. They came and because of that, we got the First Amendment right. And we have freedom of religion to worship our Creator as we so want to. Can I say something today? Do you know that there's Christians today? We, we, we really got it made in America. I, I was reading an article today where they were asking some millennials. Man, some of our millennials, God, help them. Help them. The millennials, help them, Jesus. There were some of them that were talking about, are you proud to be an American? There was a lot of the millennials talking about, no, I can't say right now that I'm proud to be an American. Well, let's ship them to another nation. I got a couple amens on that one. That was better than I've got all day. I mean, seriously. Because they, they don't understand the freedoms that we possess, folks. Do you know that right now in China, right now, they have what they know as underground churches, right? They do the same thing in Russia. Underground churches. Because these nations have decided God's not going to be in their fabric. They've decided God is not sovereign. God's not over all. He's not going to be over our nation. We're going our own ways. And they have become a communist nation. So if I went to China today and I got a megaphone and I went on the corner of the street where it's busy and I jump up there in Chinatown and I start preaching Jesus Christ is Lord, I probably wouldn't get through the first quarter of my sermon, maybe not even that far the way the military presence is there, before they'd be yanking my butt down from whatever stand I was on and I'd end up in a jail cell somewhere. It's not allowed. Now in America, I can go and I can get me the proper permit and I can go and I can street preach in the middle of New York City with a permit and there is nothing anybody can do to me. Come on somebody. But today in China and Russia, there are Christians that are literally meeting this morning and they are underground. It's kind of like Corey Tim Boone days. They can't even have the Bible in their possession and she's cutting out one piece of the Bible, her and her sister Betsy. And every time they get around somebody, they're like, just take it, just read it. And they read it and they come to Jesus Christ and get saved and they say, pass it on to somebody else. One page of the Bible. Because they knew if they got caught by the Germans that they would surely be killed and slaughtered. That is exactly what's going on today in Russia and in China. There is a preacher today that is going to get caught for preaching the gospel. And you're going to look at the news and all of a sudden this guy's going to be missing. Nobody knows what happened. He's just missing. I know what happened to him. He was slaughtered for trying to use the right to freedom of religion. They don't have it over there. So the next time you want to tell me that America's so bad, and the next time you want to tell me that everything's going to hell in a handbasket, I want to remind you that I don't care what's going on. We are still a blessed nation. Because I am still preaching today. I am declaring to you what thus saith the Lord. If they were to listen to my sermon today word for word, they would probably take it off immediately because I may say something that they think would hurt somebody's feelings. And that's their business. They're a private company. They can do whatever they want. But I'm telling you, as far as the church and state, I am allowed to declare to you that God is sovereign. He's still above all. He's still ruling on the throne. And there's nothing they can do about it when Abraham Lincoln was assassinated the country goes in the morning there are people that are feeling hopeless for the nation confusion, despair 
A lot of people loved Abraham Lincoln, great president, old honest Abe as we know him. It's in New York City as crowds are gathering. They're expressing their, their concerns that they've lost their president. They're also expressing their concerns for the nation. As if the future of the nation was going to collapse because Abraham Lincoln was gone. There's an unnamed man in the crowd. We don't know who he is. All we know is in our history books that he starts climbing the steps of a building until he can get on this little platform and he can get over, kind of like this right here, and he can see over all the people. And when he gets up there, he begins to shout the words, The Lord reigns over Washington! He first will bicker and carry on. He said, The Lord reigns over Washington! The Lord reigns over And he hollers until he has the crowd's attention. And all of a sudden, the people feel reaffirmed. And they understand the words that are coming from his mouth. And they begin to disperse and dissipate and go back to their business and doing whatever they were doing. Can I shout the words of that man that's unnamed this morning to remind America that the Lord still reigns over Washington. Can I tell somebody today, it doesn't matter who's sitting in the Oval Office. The Sovereign Lord reigns over Washington. Can I tell you that the King's heart is in the hand of the Lord and He moves it about like waves however He wants to. I don't care who my congressman is. I don't care who my senator is. I don't care who my district representative is. All that I care about today is that Jesus Christ is still Lord. And I'm going to lift Him up until He comes back for me. He's sovereign, bless God. He's over all. He controls all. Alright. Time for me to leave you with my third point. Here we go. So what do we do? We trust in God's providence just like they did. We still today in 2021 must trust God for His providence over the nation. The providence of God. I'm going to show you four things really quick. Verse 13. He said, the Lord looks down from heaven. Can I tell somebody that God is watching over the nation right now? And can I tell you that while that is a positive in some ways, can I say to you that our sins don't go overlooked? Can I tell you today... That God is disgusted with this transgender mess we got going on in America. I was talking to the wife the other day and talking about how that it seems like overnight this stuff popped up. Does anybody feel that way? I'm like you never hardly heard anything about it. And then overnight it's like it's on every commercial. I mean, you, 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 you trying to watch a YouTube on your phone. Next thing you know, you got some commercial about a pill. Alright? And it's just a bunch of carnality. Gays, transgenders, and all that stuff. Victoria's Secret now wanting to have transgender models and all. I mean, you, you never heard of this stuff. You never did. Overnight. Overnight. And do you know I'm sitting here thinking that God is looking at our nation and, and somebody's going to get judged for it, folks. Quite frankly, the leadership that allows all these things to happen and rules wrongly, they're going to suffer for this. God's going to give payback to those that rule it that way. So, so don't think that sin is going overlooked. Somebody's going to pay for it. And, 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 and I read my Bible where it said that God is angry with the wicked every day. He considers what we do. He says the eyes of the Lord. I like this though. He says in verse 15, the next verse down. He says the eyes of the Lord are on those who fear Him. So, so, so that means regardless of what's going on in the nation, His kids, God's protecting them. Don't y'all love that? 
So God is watching over Jimmy Purdue right now. And it doesn't matter what happens in the nation. There's a God that is watching. He delivers us, according to verse 19, from death and keeps us alive in famine regardless of where our nation goes. God will sustain those that trust in Him. Listen to me. The good news is there is a remnant that God still has. In the end time when you read of the church of Sardis, you find that God still had a remnant. There are those that are still clothed in white robes and they love the Lord. Listen to me, folks. There is one man of God by the name of Elisha. He's in the city of Dothan. There, there, is, there, there is an army. Y'all remember this story? That is coming against them. Gehazi, the servant's freaking out, saying, Master, what in the world are we going to do? The whole nation has come against us. The whole army is against us. And the man of God who knows he's part of the remnant. And he serves a God that has providence. And he serves a sovereign God that he can change the situation. And he can do it for one man of God. And here they are standing here. Everybody says, we're surely defeated. To which the man of God said, wait a minute. If you just look around, we're not scared of them. For those that are with us, hallelujah, are more than are with them. What I'm telling you is while I'm concerned about our nation, and while I pray that God would move in our nation, and while I'm begging God to do something in the leadership of our nation, I want you to understand today I'm not fearful for the church, and I'm not fearful for the Christian. For all those that love the Lord, you're going to be part of the remnant. And it doesn't matter what America does. I'm telling you, we're a part of God's church. And His throne is still the only throne that matters. Hallelujah. He's going to take care of us. Go ahead and play, uh, Susan. I'm closing. And so we understand the powerlessness of man. No king is saved by the size of his army. No warrior escapes by his great strength. A horse is a vain hope for deliverance despite all its great strength. It cannot save. We must have God to remain blessed. Here's our response to God's providential care. First, verse 20, we wait for the Lord. Because He, and He alone, is our help. Secondly, we trust in His holy name. Because when times get bad, there is no more powerful name that we can use than the name of Jesus. We put our hope in Him. The world may seem out of control, but the sovereign, the sovereign Lord is still in control. We keep praying. We keep trusting Him. That's the church's duty to America. That is the church's job to America. That is what we owe our nation. It's to keep praying. To keep trusting. That God will see us through. The voyage of Christopher Columbus illustrates the principle of just keeping on, perseverance. I'm sure one of the crew members wanted to turn back who sailed with Columbus. As a matter of fact, when we read of the voyage to the New World, we find that there were those that, there were times that the ship even broke at places. They didn't think they were going to make it to land. They had a shortage of food supply. And they kept saying, let's turn back. This isn't going to work. To which Columbus just said, sail on, sail on. And he simply sailed on. He would not be denied. And one day his dream, as he said, I see land, there goes land, there goes land. All of a sudden his dream 
it becomes reality and yours can too. The American dream has not yet died. Not everyone, regardless of what MSM, the mainstream media tells you, not everyone has turned their back on God. No matter the reports that you read from writers that give catchy titles to try to make you think that everything's disastrous and nothing good can happen. Not everyone has turned their back on the sovereign God that we know we were founded on. I understand Psalm 917. I understand the wicked shall be turned into hell and all nations that forget God. But there's a remnant that hasn't forgotten Him yet. We may be in trouble. We may be in turmoil. We may not like what we see and everything that's done. But I came to remind somebody today that we are a blessed nation. We are a blessed people. And blessed is the nation whose God is the Lord. Will you help be that person that keeps God first, front and center? Will you be that citizen that does your duty? Today we have those that have held guns, those that have fought for us. We have one in here today that's still fighting for our freedoms. Just told me a deployment he had to deal with. That was absolutely horrible conditions, horrific conditions. But they made it through. Of course, he trusts in God today. And he knows who the sovereign one is. But many of us today, we may not take up a gun. We may not be on the battlefield. We serve a different purpose. But our duty to our nation is to remember, God have mercy on this nation. God save this nation. Get out of this mentality. But well, they're not my leader. They're not my... Get out of that. We don't have time for that. There's enough bickering and, and, and stuff going on. We just need to pray that God would bless us. Continue to bless us. This right, the worship, this freedom of religion. God, don't let it leave us. God, we promise that if you'll just continue. Listen to me. If you'll continue to give us the right and the freedom to worship. We promise you. We will do everything within our power we can to win every boy, woman, girl to Jesus Christ. We'll do everything we can. We'll sing as hard as we can. We'll preach as hard as we can. We'll pray as hard as we can. We will do our part for the kingdom of God advancement if you'll just let us continue to do so. Bless this nation. Can we stand? I'm closing today. Oh, thank you, Holy Ghost, right now. I like that song that Brian sang last. In that song, it names the names of God, which are Jehovah. And then after each word, it states what it means. Jehovah Jireh. He's my provider. And it goes through there. What it's saying is providence. That's all I heard. Providence. Providence. Whatever you need, that's who I am. Whatever you need, that's who I am. Father, thank you, Holy Ghost. Thank you for your powerful son, Jesus, that gave us freedom so that we could live forever. I'm asking you to bless this nation. I'm asking you to empower us. Make us your servants. Help us to understand that our kingdom is not of this world. Our kingdom is of above. Therefore, it is our responsibility, first and foremost, to be committed to your kingdom. But Father, it is our commitment to this nation. That as Christians, we're going to make a difference in the world. As Christians, we are going to fight for our freedoms. As Christians, we're not going to sit in the corner like a little whip pup. We're going to get up and we're going to be assertive. 
And we're going to let people know that God is still sovereign. We're going to let people know that God is still in control. We're going to let people know we still use the term, it's still on the money. In God we trust. We still say it in our songs. We still sing it in our anthems. It is in our very fabric. And I'm asking you, Father, that you would keep it that way. If my people which are called by my name, if we'll just humble ourselves and pray. There's a God in heaven that will turn from heaven. Hallelujah. He will look down from heaven. He will forgive our sins. And He will heal our nation, our land. Thank you, Holy Ghost. Will you give me that anointing over there, Brian? Grant, can I anoint you today? Would that be fine? I want to pray God's blessings on you today, especially because this guy is still actively serving our country and he travels all over the place. Was just right in the Russia border, border and there's a lot of, of uh, things that, that he has to deal with and, and his uh, crew and, of troops that are with him. And so today I want you to pray a prayer of blessing. Stretch your hand this way. We're going to anoint him and ask God just to stay with him, give him favor, and let him be a witness to those that are around him. Father, we thank you for this young man. Thank you, Holy Ghost, for what you've done in his life. And today, Father, we commit him to you from the top of his head to the soles of his feet. We thank you, Lord, for those that have served today who we have honored. But we also thank you for those that are continuing right now to serve. And Father, we pray blessings over him. We pray, Father, that when he gets in situations to where it feels hopeless, I'm asking you that the Gap Hill Church of God, his family, his church family, even though he's a long ways away, let him feel the love, the support, most of all the prayers of the saints of God as we pray for this nation, this country, that God would bless. Father, we commit him to you in Jesus' name. Amen. God bless us today. Let your Holy Spirit flow in our lives. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord, I worship you because of who? Jehovah Jireh. Lord, I worship you. Sing it with him one time and we'll close. I worship you. Zapu. You are. Unmute Brian there, buddy. Oh, you are. Oh, but You're my provider, Jehovah Nisi. Lord, you reign in victory. Jehovah Shalom. My Prince of Peace And I worship You Because of who You are Jehovah Jireh Jehovah Jireh 